Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday, brethren. I have to tell you, though I'm very much looking forward to the show that we're about to record, I'm running out of ideas here on how to tell you to go to <laughs> ElmontUtalker.com. Do you have any ideas, any new creative ways for us to tell the public about how great ElmontUtalker.com is? Yeah, go to ElmontUtalker.com because it's amazing. That's really it, right. Like at this point, guys, you just got to take our word for it, right? We've done like a hundred weeks in a row of telling you how great Elmont Youth Soccer is. And we have all these creative ways we've sung and we've, we've rapped and we've done, you know, additional, prom- all these things. I'm running out of ways to tell you. All right. You just got to take our word for it, guys. ElmontYouthSoccer.com. The link is in our description. Literally take your phone, scroll down to the description part, press that website. When you get there to ElmontYouthSoccer.com, you'll find all the jerseys on planet earth. Like it's absurd. And if they don't have one, you just reach out to us. I'll tell them and they'll get it. It's it's that simple. All right. Superlative quality jerseys at unbelievable prices that you'll save even more money on when you enter the promo code TJW10 at checkout. All right. ElmontUtSoccer.com guys. There's no other way to say it. Today, what we're going to talk about on the Jersey Wall podcast is just recap we haven't recapped for a while, and we're just going to recap some of the most exciting events that have been going on uh, in Europe over the last week. Enjoy. My ability to ramble is it will never go away. doesn't matter how tired I am. doesn't matter. <laughs> like right now, I'm just trying to like focus. Like my eye, this eye in particular, all right, it's just... Being, I don't want to swear on the show, but I feel my lashes stuck together, and I'm like, open Someone up, dude. They don't wash their face. I the d- are you kidding, bro? I, my my morning routine is longer than any other guy alive. Look at this eye. No, I know longer than yeah, any, you do. <laughs> For a bald man, too. well, that. actually, I shave my head every morning. So that's part of what, what adds to the process nowadays. No, but but no, okay. You're it was this long before you started shaving your head. Well, here's the thing. No, I well th- at that point is because I had to do my hair. <laughs> now <laughs> I have to I have to undo my hair. <laughs> You're like Ted Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, pretty much, right? I was like, okay, hair. I gotta make sure I'm not saying I get the greatest hair in the world, but I was like, I gotta make sure that it looks nice, right? And so I just either part it or brush whatever it is I can do. Right. Yeah. Now because I'm bald, I got to shave it every morning because otherwise it's just going to be stubbly. And I don't want to have this like stubble because then it starts to look like it's, you know, like the hair that comes in, but the hair coming in through the skin, it, it's a weird look, right? I'm like, no, I don't want to have that. So I got to shave it, it every super morning. super itchy? At first it did. Nowadays, not, mm. not, not at all. Now it just hurts, to mm. be honest, because it's the electric razor that I use now. Uh. And, and so it's basically like you're grinding off your hair. And uh, you got to do it every single day. And if you shave using a razor blade, all right, it takes so much acne. No, it's not even that. It's just that you, you're more prone to slicing your head open. And honestly, like the pain of sanding off your hair is less than that of slicing your head open. Because you know okay. what I mean? I'll take you your word I mean? for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to take I'll my word for this because board. I've taken You remember we did the whole episode on your finger where I'd always nick is my. Not as bad. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You remember I we did the whole bro talk segment about who would win in a fight and it was inspired by how I always nick my forehead when I'm shaving yeah. my, my head. Well, nowadays, look, no cuts, no mess. It's clean, right? Looks nice. It's very soft still to the touch, but I got to do it every <laughs> single day. Every day, bro. Anyway, Mina, what's going on? I'm back in Egypt. Yes, of course. How could I forget? Yes, I have to let the audience know. I'm not here anymore. Our international correspondent is back to being overseas as Mina has gone well across the Atlantic once again. And he joins us still from Egypt. Mina, thank you for joining us on your delayed schedule. Because for you, it's like midday. And for me, it's like... This is earlier than when we used to do it. Yeah, Thank man, you for joining is, us this early. Dude, it's early today, and I, I want to be as energetic as possible. And I'm going to warm up, guys, I promise. If you're like, Nathan, why do you sound like you just woke up? I did. It's a cold start. It's a cold. It's start. family day, right? So happy family day to you, bro. Happy family happy day, family everybody, everybody day if you're listening you. to this on the day that it gets released. But I know most of our audience will, will listen to it periodically throughout the week. So happy family day. Happy family week. Hope you guys enjoyed your family day, if nothing else. Um, we got a fun episode in store today. We got our bro talk. We got our birthday wishes, but not for one of us. We got just so much stuff in the tank. But Mina, I have to start with this. I have to start this morning by picking your brain. All right. Okay. You 
are, are pseudo-intellectual, all right? Now, I'd be lying if I said I knew what that word meant. I, don't, I actually don't. I don't know what pseudo <laughs> in front of that actually means. But I think if you say it with the right tone, it's a compliment, right? It means that you're very smart, I think. I think you can do that with any pseudo. I think you actually Is that what pseudo me means? Smart. Is that what pseudo means? Me fake smart. Oh, yeah. Man. All right, bro. Well, I guess we'll find Unbelievable. out. Unbelievable. Well, you're fake smart. <laughs> so we don't know. We don't know if you're, we don't know what kind of pseudo, is that what that means, bro? It sounds so, yeah, if someone bro. called me pseudo intellectual, I'd like be like, fake. he just said I'm Charles Xavier. He just said I'm the smartest mind that there could ever be. Right. And that's how I feel. That's what I meant it as. All right. It's all in the tone. Right. So I have a question for you. It's a science question. And this, this struck me last night as I was falling asleep. It was very late and I was, you know, parched. So oh, I had Lord. a sip of water and, okay. um, and the water was very, very cold. And it, and this is going to sound so stupid. It's going to sound pseudo-intellectual of me if it means what you told me it means, <laughs> all right? Which is that when you drink some water, you know sometimes it's just so refreshing. You get a nice gulp of cold water and you're yeah, like, that, oh, that 3 a.m. sip. It yeah. soothes you, right? But you know sometimes you drink water and you're like, yo, this is so cold. How is this this cold? And you're like, it's almost too much. Yep. Okay. In those moments, I truly believe that the water is colder than zero degrees because it has to be. But if zero degrees is when water freezes, <laughs> then that can't be possible. So I thought to myself, well, hold on, Nathan. When it's winter and a lake freezes over, it doesn't right. freeze all the way to the bottom. It freezes a layer yeah. and doesn't yeah. go underneath. Now, from my experience, being in any body of water ever, the deeper you go, the colder it gets. So Mina, tell me, Use your intellectual science mind. We can bro science this too, because I, I don't know. Oh, we're definitely going to have to bro Is the water this. not colder than zero degrees in a, like a cold lake? And if not, how does it not freeze? Tell me how some water can freeze at zero degrees, but other cannot. Because I refuse to believe it's above zero degrees moving, in some of those Moving water will not freeze. Moving water will not freeze. I see. If you keep the water moving, it will not freeze. No matter but what the temperature. Does that mean? Yeah, but, the, but then you have lakes, right? Because there's no like... Is there a current in the lake under the frozen slab of ice? That's where we're gonna have to burn mm. science this because because I know I know that moving water be. never freezes, but but then there must be some be must be some current. Yeah, and then how does it stay still at the top? Because I would feel like it the most movement, like just think of when you move something, right? Grab probably something from froze. the base of it and move it. The top moves way more than the bottom. Right, but it probably freezes outward inwards. So it's already connected to the ground by the time mm. it freezes in the middle. Interesting. Interesting. I think Urban. it's also thinnest in the middle. Thinnest in okay. All right. All right. This is not where I wanted I to go like with this. What I wanted to know more specifically, because I hadn't considered the movement of the current, which is actually <laughs> a very pseudo-intellectual point. And that's gonna be our smurf word for today. We're just gonna use that at any given point. Because honestly, and I feel like this is how we warm up, right? This is the nice thing for us to do to just like warm up our brains for today's episode, especially me having just woken mm. up to consider what this actually means. Now, so you're telling me I can drink technically water that is below zero degrees. Now, does my body See, then that, heat it that's, up? That's where we have to bro science this because I don't know if you can. Is it like if it's constantly moving and if it's at like minus five, does that mean it can ever get to minus five if it's constantly moving? Mm. I have no idea. What if we just put a point. gyroscope with some water in a freezer and then just set it like a Beyblade? Just yeah. let it rip. <laughs> just forever, <laughs> like a yeah. perpetual Beyblade. <laughs> or just get one of those, um, oh, like just one of those like paint shakers. Yeah. You know, like it, like it mixes the, the paint. So you put it in and then just yeah, go. Yeah. Well, if we put water in that in a freezer, I wonder at what, like what would happen? I wonder if it would freeze. Because if it did freeze, it freeze droplets at the bottom of it. That's what I mean. Like at some point, it would have to freeze. At some point over time, it would have to. Anyway, guys, this is neither here nor there. This, this is isn't even our bro talk of today. Mina, this is just something that I had to get off my chest because I genuinely didn't know. Because sometimes I think yeah, my swallow bottle look into that. maintains the temperatures pretty well. And sometimes I take a sip of water and I'm like, nah, this was definitely below zero. I I'm certain. This is the coldest water I've ever had. Mm, yeah, right after brushing your teeth or eating some gum. Mm. Dude. That's when it then hits you. you fully freeze your entire body. If you yeah. chew gum, yeah, mint gum and water. Whew, that's that's an observation <laughs> that everybody's already, but we all know this. We're preaching to the choir here. Everybody who chews gum and drinks water knows about this. Mina, tell me about our real bro talk question of the day. I've prepared two lists, okay? Because we don't like the word rankings here. That's I've right. We don't lists. use rankings. We find lists. We put them in order. That's what we do. <laughs> That's the Jersey Wall special. It's about the goats. And I think it's time to have a conversation about goats 
This is a very football-heavy podcast, but it's about goats overall. Okay. So if you don't really like sports, this isn't really a conversation for you. But you and I like a lot of different sports. Yep. And uh, and and we appreciate the athleticism in other people. Absolutely, we do. So what I have made is a list of the top five goats, men and women athletes, separately, okay. um, just to avoid conflict. Yep. And some notable mentions that I've All included. Right. So do you want to hear my lists? I do want to hear your list. I do. And I want to know, I want to let everybody know that as much as you guys know us for being pseudo intellectuals, as much, <laughs> right, we are people who will definitely carry bias into, into, into lists and such, Absolutely. right? So oh, yeah. if you're listening to this and thinking what we're about to suggest to you is objective truth, I would like for you to know that nothing we ever say on here is objective truth. Nothing ever. All right. It's always for the sake of story and for the sake of storytelling. So if you are listening to this in a country that doesn't have a sport that we mentioned or that has a sport that we didn't mention, right? We will not be including <laughs> that sport on here. And you could tell us that, you know, like Olaf Gunderson is the greatest ice fisher to ever do it. That's fine. I be- I'll take your word for it. But he's not going to be on right. the go to go because I have no right. idea, right? This is extremely biased because it's who I've seen and who I actually care about. And in the same That's way exactly that ESPN good. would never include a football player, a t- like a, a, a soccer player for a North American audience. Yeah, they're all Americans. They're just all, all Americans. Are- <laughs> like they're just all Americans. Now, it's I- always Serena, like uh, Mike Tyson. Right. Bro, LeBron, Babe Ruth, like you can never yeah, convince always. me. I'm sorry. And this is, listen, if you're a baseball fan, don't at me. Just beat it right now. You, you will never convince me that a that a baseball player is on a goat. There's just impossible. It's just, it can't be done. So you can't, you can't convince me of it. So anyway, please go ahead. Um, I look forward to Michael Jordan in the two years that he played. <laughs> and he didn't even play in the freaking, in the MLB, bro. Okay, go ahead. Tell me. Tell me your goal. Okay, I'll start. I'll start with I'll start with the women list, women's All right, list because me. I actually surprised myself a lot with how many women athletes I know. I'm going to take and your word for I it. I think, yeah, I think some of them might change. But to top the list, I have Serena Williams. I think oh, that she's you're starting at one. Arguably, yeah, I'm starting right, with the guys' list. Don't start at one. Start at five. I won't. No, I won't. Yeah, I'll start. You know what? Let's work it backwards. So now you know Serena Williams is at the top. I gave yeah. you a little bit of a nugget there. And there now, you go. Now let's go to five. The Easter egg is we give you the first one on the list. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bro, you always no start worries. with two or three. You can't give away the top it's one. It's okay. There's still another one. To be fair, there wasn't um, much to build to because we were definitely both no. going to agree that Serena Williams is definitely the greatest women's athlete of all time. Hands down. No doubt. I, yeah, I think we I think we definitely agree with that. Yeah. And that's not even recency bias because the movie about King Richard came out anyway. Because nope, no one's out there. <laughs> So number five is, uh, and I don't think you'll know this one, but I, but it's Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf is an ex-tennis player, and okay. she's got 23 Grand Slams. Wow. The most out of anyone. I don't know if Serena topped her or not, but I, Serena's definitely way more athletic. But Steffi Graf, one of the most out of anyone Grand Slams ever. So as an athlete, she deserves to be up there just because. She goes slightly above Katie Ledecky, who was in the Olympics at 15 or 16 years old and won gold as a swimmer. So that's ridiculous. And I think it's it's likely to change, but she's already talked about as one of the greatest swimmers of all time. All but right. Because she's she's still active, I'm going to like put her in six. Right, right. Fair enough. Number four is Simone Biles. We all know Simone Biles. It's a, it's a tiny little gymnast. Yeah. Tiny little gymnast for the US and uh, the GOAT of gymnastics. I think we can all agree because let's not pretend like we know something about No, gymnastics. and this is just it. See, impact, like like cultural impact plays a huge role in the GOAT list when you're talking about people who you may not know a whole lot about them or competitors in their sport. And if you have right. left an impression on me, I know your name, it's because you've done enough to secure yourself as one of the best ever. Because honestly, we're that, yeah. we are that and out here's of And here's another, here's, Proof of that, Nathan. Can you name another gymnast? In my the sister, history of, of my Earth, sister did gymnastics from ages like four to like sixteen. Can you name any other Olympic medalist in Not the one. history of Earth, men or women or Not other? One. Nope. Exactly. So and or women, and that's that's an important thing Simone as well. Miles have to be exactly. Couldn't name you one dude. Just don't think, well, Nathan, why you don't pay attention? No, I I don't I don't know. Not not for guys. Not for girls. No idea. Small no, I'm sure. I'm sure the gymnasts, the male gymnasts, are very athletic, but they haven't. Oh, for sure. They haven't done probably the most well athletic for us to know it. Yep. So Simone I only know of people who do them. gymnastics, never professional. And Simone Biles 
Yep, I know that name. Therefore, agreed. Go. <laughs> Number three. Christine Sinclair, national hero. Hell yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yep. Most goals out of anyone. Anyone. Despite what, what Pelé would like you to believe. Yep. Um, and just exceeding Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment. But I think he's definitely going to get her. Um, I don't know, dude. We she's, have like, to... she's a lot of goals ahead. He would need like another 80. Really? It's yeah, she has like 180 like national team goals. I let him play in the MLS. He'll get it in two seasons. No, be like, no, to be fair to her, terrific accomplishment. Repping soccer in oh, Canada. Oh, absolutely. And that's what we do here. That's the totally. whole Jersey Wall podcast, bro. For sure. And for number two, I'll actually let you have the floor on this one. And I think you can kind of guess why. But it's because yep. it's Amanda Nunes. Absolutely. It's Amanda Nunes, bro. Yeah, listen. Like, from a competition standpoint, even if you don't know who this person is, she could beat up every other athlete on the list <laughs> and every other woman to ever exist. So like, if, if nothing else, even if you're not going to say, well, that does, th does that make her a great athlete? Yeah, probably. Right. Because if, if you disagreed, she'd beat you up and she could to every other athlete that there's ever been. Right. Unless you're Juliana Pena. If your name is Juliana. No, it was just one time. That was just one time. That was just one time. Yeah. That's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it, you know, cause she had losses before that too, but for the span of her career where she was absolutely untouchable, Lethal. a two weight, women's champion right who just beat everybody's ass the whole time and so she had this marker that she wasn't always invincible she had to overcome things and then she achieved a level where she would just convincingly dominate everybody and so for that congratulations amanda nunez you are i guess the second best female athlete of all time yeah she's in the ufc for those who don't know yeah because you, you didn't mention that yeah so she's. I mean, I, sorry, yeah. I guess taken out of if you didn't know she fought in the UFC, and I just said up, that okay. she would beat she everyone like up. Prison? Yeah, you'd probably, <laughs> maybe you're like, well, dude, why? What does she do? Yeah, she fights in the UFC. She's like death rowerism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, number one. But yeah, so that's number one is Serena Williams, and Boom. and I know there are arguments for Serena Williams being in, in like amongst the best tennis players in the world, and I think she is amongst the best tennis players in the world. But I think we wanted to go with a male and, and female list just so that we don't upset anyone and, and just kind of shed some light more on the other female athletes mm. that would have went missing in a top five list of all time. That's right. Across all gender. So that's that's why I split it up. Boom. Love it. Great now, stuff. to go to some notable mentions that I will not include in my top five men because to me, these aren't sports that matter. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tiger Woods. Yep. First and foremost, I know. I know he's one of the biggest household names of all time. Doesn't matter. Tom Brady. I'm sorry if you're from the U.S. I know a lot of our <laughs> listeners are. He's not in my list. I know he just retired, and this is not going to be any of the recency bites. He's played the wrong football. It's not even a, a round <laughs> sphere. And Bro, ESPN. I only heard about him because he passed to David Beckham. Dude, ESPN it. is absolutely <laughs> livid right now. ESPN listening to our show is like, what? Who are they? By no, the not, what this should do, it, by the way, I sorry, I just yeah. want to say something here. What this should do is add, though it may decredit us in some in some ways, it actually adds a lot of credibility to our footy knowledge that we, being from this side of the world, are completely dismissing the claims of the goats for the sports that are most pro, most you know dominant on this yeah. side of the world. Right. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. And I think ESPN has to remember that 4 billion people disagree about which, which yeah. is the best football. So, exactly. You know, it's a very shit. good point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, bro. Honestly. <laughs> and I think to ESPN, by the way, guys, if ESPN FC is listening or if they ever see this, um, this is how bad your football, actual football takes sound. Like for me to not include Tom Brady in the top five, this is how bad your actual. Right. European football takes sound. This is it's that terrible. Now moving on. Moving on. Um, yes. We're gonna fix that, though, bro. We're gonna be five. the ones who fix it. Tell me. Yeah, absolutely. Number five. Number five is Michael Phelps. All right. A I think without a doubt, you have to have Michael Phelps because he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. There you now go. Now that has to stand for something. Yeah, it's true. If we look at the Olympics as like the pinnacle of athletic competition, and he's won all of them. Right. And he has enough medals to cover his wingspan, which is about nine feet long. Then, yeah. And still and still wear stuff around his neck. Right. Now, fun fact about Michael Phelps. He's actually a size 14. And so what this tells me is that I could be really? the greatest swimmer of all time because I, too, have size 14. 
VD is just a freak of nature. Like his, just his torso and his arms yeah. are so insane. Like this guy was born to be a swimmer. Somebody yeah. tells me he was stuck and they pulled him and they extended <laughs> just him elongated. on the way out. Of he was the birthed for like yeah. 20 minutes. He was just, kids. oh, here comes, my, yep, still Michael. Uh-huh. It's still crazy. Michael, there he goes. And it's like, you know how Usain Bolt, <laughs> by the way, who was, who was a notable mention, he's not on the list because right. of the other people that you'll see. Yep. Um, them being so far ahead to look back and laugh at other competitors yeah. is just a piss take. So Michael Phelps arrived, made himself a dinner, had the steak, and then looked behind him and people were still arriving to, like, to the yep. finish line. It was that insane. And he was cooking it to well it done, which means there was extra time that he spent mm. doing it. This is like several, several minutes. Now you might think, oh, well, if he cooked it to medium rare, then did he really cook it for that long? I'm telling you, when he got to one end of the pool, he took out a frying pan, <laughs> lit a fire, waited for it to heat up, doused it in butter, grabbed a steak from the supermarket, put it on, seared both sides, then baked it until it was, so that's reverse searing it, until it was well done. Not just medium well, not just rare, but well done. And on that note, we say well done to you, Mr. Michael Yes, Phelps. exactly. How's and and for, for those who don't understand exaggeration, and we'll get to that later. That yeah, we are getting Exactly. Yes. Uh, Part of the non-objective yeah, so, truth we were talking about earlier. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, totally. 100%. Don't take us seriously. No. It's all for fun. Number four on the list. And I know you'll be shocked about why he's this low. Oh. Or our listeners might. But it's just down to personal bias. If you put him anywhere else on this list, I won't dispute it. Because it's Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan has to be ah! on the top five list. Dude, at but four. But for me, personal bias has to go in at four. However, I think even if we put him in top three, I would say, okay, I'm, I'm excited to hear who you have in the, in the upper things here. Totally just personal bias. If you put him in the top three, top one, doesn't matter to me. I'll, I like, there's an argument strong enough for, for that. And yeah. I could agree if I was being objective, but I won't be. Uh, right. Because in, in number, in number three, I've got Rafael Nadal. And to me, right, I, like, right, I right. So this is definitely personal Rafael bias. Nadal. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a note on and Michael Jordan, right? The know. greatest competitor to mm-hmm. ever live and the most clutch, most clutch big game player human. that there's ever been. Yeah. For me, that's like, it definitely put at least the top three, bro. But if you want to yeah. say, um, because for you specifically making this list, you have Rafa Nadal, then that's fine. 100% that's fine. And that's why I'm saying, like, if you wanted to put him second, then or first it doesn't matter because he definitely deserves to be up there. It's just for me, I have to put Rafael Nadal. Right. Because... He, he's not only won his 21st Grand Slam, making it the most out of any male tennis player ever. He's also missed 14 other Grand Slams due to injury. Wow. So you could just imagine where he would be. Yeah. If, and, and I know if, buts, and maybes, but Nadal is, is yeah. absolutely like winning his first one at 18 and still going this strong and right. making people hopeless whenever they play against him. No, and it proves how good he is at seizing opportunities, right? Because it's like, if nothing else, you can say, oh, well, ifs, ands, or buts, because he didn't play all these ones. Yeah, fine. But all the ones that he played and he won, right? So it's like, given that stat, we can imagine how he would have done if given the opportunity Mm -hmm. to play in those. So yeah, I could understand that. I actually didn't know that. That's crazy. Good for him. Yeah. And and by the way, six months ago, he didn't know that he was ever going to play tennis again. And to come back and win on a surface that he's not favorable in, and and I know he probably probably won it because Djokovic had to miss out due to COVID stuff. But mm. it, like, still, you only you can only beat the player that plays against you, and, right. and he did. So, uh, to me, Rafael Nadal has to be up there. And I think just also it being an individual sport to continue to motivate yourself coming right. back from those injuries and those like retirement level injuries is is just a testament to his mentality. Yep, that's fair. That's, that's very and, high, uh, to be honest, to yeah. put him like, I thought that's a pretty big show. But to be honest, that's a very good point. And that it's an individual sport that he has accomplished pretty much everything in. And it's not in an era where the competition wasn't there. It's like he's beaten over the course of literally decades, new levels of competition as the young, like up and comer and the absolute seasoned vet. And you add to that the tennis World Cup, the Olympic gold medal. Right. And so he's achieved That's everything. And, That's fair. and it's up to him. Yeah. Now Michael Jordan. So I only now added dismissing him being up. that low. That's true, bro. No, I'm I only two and added one. it this high up because I knew I could argue it. And right. I knew that like I could be convincing about it. Yeah. But again, if you want to put MJ up there, I won't I won't dispute it. Now I'm um, almost concerned about your one and two 
because the way that you have them, I would imagine will spark a debate that could take over the entire episode. So what I'll do is this. You can give me your two and one, but we're not going to debate their placement today. All right. We will do a TJW standoff argument where we're going to have the debate when they retire. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Just please just inform our audience who already know, given the nature of this show, who two and one will be who you yeah. have in, in first and second place. And don't even have to give the order of them. You can just say who they are. I actually I actually won't annoy anyone because I have them tied for first. Boom. You couldn't split them. Because I am a massive Messi fan and I grew up idolizing Ronaldo playing for Man United. Right. And And to me, you have to be able to appreciate both because you can't get into fights and kill people kill your friends because they have different opinions. You can't like not speak to someone else because they like Messi more than Ronaldo or vice versa. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like Mm. seeing how friendly and like amicable people are when they're supporting Djokovic, Federer and Nadal just makes me want that in football. Like you have to be able to appreciate. No, it's a very different culture, right? The footy culture is based on predicated on rivalry and predicated on, you know, my, my team is it's, better. It's my players way more and, similar to LeBron, Jordan, and, yeah. and the uh, Kobe debate. But to me, you have to be able to appreciate both for the little time we have left with them. Right. And I'm glad I was one of the first that appreciated them both when they were, you know, younger and just killing it in La Liga. Yeah. And like I said, there will be a time for us to actually debate this. And to be honest, I would love to have the debate. Um, because it's, it's one of the things that we haven't done here on the podcast. And it seems mm-hmm. like something that we would, um, but we have never done it. And to be, we, we very well could. We can make very compelling. You guys know I'm very compelling, right? I would love to. Yeah. I would love to, t- to take either side, whatever. But for the sake of this, I'm glad you have them tied for first. Just to let everybody know. Like, just to let ESPN know. Like, hey, just mm. by the way. You can appreciate them both. These two guys, both of them, being at the top of their respective sport, are better than what everybody else has accomplished in any other sport, in every other sport. doesn't matter. Now, like I said... Or will ever accomplish. If Olaf Gustafsson is truly the greatest ice fisher of all time, (laughs) and you're listening to this in a Scandinavian country where we have not taken into consideration the fact that he once caught a blue whale using a piece of floss in a stick, (laughs) then you know what? Reach out to us. 100% reach out to us because I would happily argue that. that happened, he's first. Yeah, he's happened, first. He's, he's first. definitely first. You can't yeah. do that. No. Messi do it? No. Exactly. Bro, could Messi catch a blue whale using a, pig, a piece of floss and a stick? I don't think so, bro. <laughs> and and it's the easiest thing for me, a United fan who has had two Champions League taken away from him. Yeah. To sure. hate on Messi, but I can't. You just you can't do it. Yeah. So it's a level of appreciation it is what for it is. the goats. And so anyway, with that being said, guys, welcome officially to the show. I'm not going to say the number today because we're going to start getting away from that. But just know, mm. welcome back to the Jersey Wall Podcast, your favorite podcast. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. My name is Mr. Nathan Santos, aka Master Chef Nay, and that is Brethren FC Pharaoh 007. Mina, golly, back to being our international correspondent, reunited with the Sphinx, the Pharaohs, and all the other Egyptian <laughs> crap. Dude, good to see you. Thank you for providing us with that list this morning. I appreciate it. I put a lot of thought into it. So I, I, I hope others... Yeah, listen, come at me. I'm I'm Bro. ready for it. Yeah, let's do, and speaking of that, that that's actually a good place for us to go with this before <laughs> we get into our recapping of all the stuff, which I promise we are going to get to. But you guys know it's utter silliness to kick off the show as usual. Um, one thing we have to do before anything else is we have to wish Don Fabrizio Romano a very happy birthday from the Jersey Wall Podcast. All right, the most reliable man in sports, the most reliable man in media. The probably going to be the best man at my wedding. Sorry, dude. If I could get Fabrizio Romano uh, to be the best no, man, totally. it has to. You got to do it, right? A hundred percent. No, because then he has to say, "Here we go." When when, when he the sa- says, the, uh, "You may now kiss the bride." Exactly. Listen, as soon as both of us say "I do," I want him to tweet it, bro. That's it. So, <laughs> Fabrizio Romano, happy birthday from the Jersey Wall Podcast. We love you. You provide this show with a lot of content. To be fair. Oh yeah, totally. All right. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> Jersey Wall has some adversaries oh, over the past little while. It's actually pretty funny because we, you know, we've been creating this content for a long time. And like five years. There are stages of content creation, right? Where the first, the very first thing that you'll ever experience when you start to create content <laughs> is support. It's blind support. It's, it's unwavering. People are like, 
oh my god, that's so cool! Congratulations! Yeah, I totally check it out. And then that's what they know. Close friends and family, yeah. Person who becomes this, right? Then it starts to peak. Then it starts to taper off once you start doing it consistently, because they're like, oh, like uh, yeah, I still support it, but like I don't, I don't support it in the same way. Mm-hmm. And then you good for it. you though. Yeah, but good for you. You guys are doing good stuff. Anyway, and then through the several years that will upcome, what you'll do is try to create content to engage different people, X, Y, Z, until you find a formula that works. And at that point you run with it, right? Then you start to get on people who you don't know, right? Then it's not just the support from people that you do, but it's the people from the people that you don't. And that means a lot. But with the support that people that you don't know comes with the criticism of people that you don't know. (laughs) And this is something that we have experienced on a YouTube channel that's called MasterChef Name, the the YouTube channel officially in response of of the Jersey Wall podcast which is we created a YouTube video that had more views than anything ever, right? And it seems that the more we debate Newcastle stuff, we have support from the fans and we have people who don't like when people disagree with the support of the fans. So I remember a few weeks back, we were doing um, the best transfers of the January transfer window, right? And I took this episode and I chopped it up. I put it up and on the chopping block, threw it all up onto the YouTube channel and it actually did pretty well. The, the Newcastle videos in particular got the most interaction. Skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Grew the channel by 35% in a month. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. If you haven't already subscribed, go check it out. Master Chef Ney on YouTube, all right? And welcome, everyone else. And welcome to everybody. Exactly, yeah. Now, I took the stance, as I always do with this, is I'm, I tend to be the one who supports the things that get criticized, right? You're always so the ultimate. If it's a, yeah, always the optimist, exactly. Whether it's we're talking about Liga or the Bundesliga or teams that we're ready to write off or, you know, giving teams the benefit of the doubt for why they might be doing a certain thing or doing it in a certain way, I'm the guy who's defending them. And with that comes the support of anybody who will give it to me, right? Anybody who agrees with me. Now, in some instances, it's fine, right? In, in others, it's not. So when we did the Bundesliga episode... For, for example, we were talking about the Bundesliga. Well, if the most people who watch that video don't support the Bundesliga, then I look like the tool, right? They're like, no, nah, this guy doesn't. Mm-hmm. But in Germany, I'm the hero. Because they're like, yeah, <laughs> this dude's sticking up for us. Yeah, right? Now, when it comes to Newcastle, I stuck up for the project, right? I have my right. Czech Tiote jersey right there. I would not say that I'm a longtime fan of Newcastle, but I'm going to say that I'm, I'm a supporter of the project and that I like the direction that, that they've taken so far. But you were very critical of, the, of, of it. And so on the YouTube channels and people, I encourage you to go look at the comments because it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I have never seen such unwavering support for my comments. It's so funny. utter terror for Mina. These people were <laughs> criticizing your age, your intellect, your nothing. They were calling you everything but a pseudo intellectual, dude. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I wanted to give you the opportunity at the top of the show to address this, all right? Do you want to address, do you care to address the comments about Newcastle, the comments about you know, the negativity, anything you want, dude. I just want to give you the opportunity to just address it. Couldn't care less. <laughs> Couldn't care less, bro. No, honestly, being realistic, <laughs> let's clarify. I yes. don't, I'm not against the project. All I was saying was you, you took the, the position that the players would go because of the project. I right. said they need a little bit more of an incentive to do that. And um, it seems so far you've been, you've been right. And I think that... I, I genuinely admire what Newcastle have been able to do, and is it's to yeah pay some hefty transfer fees, but then also provide good pay, like fair pay in terms of the rest of the Premier League, probably with bonuses if they help if the play, if those players help them stay up, um, but also recruiting well, and and I think that I can't remember, but I think in the episode I said that I hope they do that. I just don't know how long they can hold out for. Mm. Um, but maybe if they stay up and they have to get better talent or, you know, talent of the same ilk, now it comes at a price. And for me, all I was saying was that the players will come because Newcastle is a big club. never said that it wasn't. Um, but they need a little bit more of an incentive if you guys are just going to try to get to top 10 and then push for top six and then try to break into the top four. But it's all incremental. So right now you can right. you can get along with you know having the initial contract being kind of low, and if we get relegated, you guys are free to go. If we stay up, you will get your bonuses, and then the other players and the other contracts that we're going to sign are probably going to be a little bit more expensive. And then once you're pushing past mid table to try to get the top six or try to get the top four, 
then you're actually going to have to start paying the fair prices of what those kinds of players demand. And that's what I was arguing, is that right now it needs a little bit more of an incentive. And maybe they hit it in in a clause for our next contract, and currently it's low. But I genuinely admire what, they ha- what they've been able to do so far. I just don't know how long it can last. Right. And you actually made a good, I would, I would love if you could speak to uh, the comment you made about a lot of the people who responded seem to be like old school Newcastle fans, right? Mm. And so they were like, no, Amina doesn't know how big this club was in the 90s and the success of all this stuff. And you made a good point about that, right? Can you, can you kind of speak to what you said about the success of the 90s and its relevance to the incentive to what the players are thinking today? Right. Yeah. So the success of the 90s, like Leeds was a massive club in the 90s. So was Newcastle. But the problem is players nowadays are, are our age, right? Like players right. are in their mid-20s and they won't remember what those clubs are were like in the 90s. So unless they grew up locally, like the Longstaff brothers or, for example, they would have been indoctrined into that idea and, right. and knowing how big Newcastle is. But just like United and, and Arsenal fans have had to reconcile with where the club is now compared to what it used to be, um, Newcastle fans, I think, will have to do the same, right? right? Like the players don't know how massive the club is because they also weren't old enough to remember that in the 90s. Right. And while maybe um, that's that's a disadvantage, maybe you can sell them the project that, you know what, you can be the guy to take it back to what it used to be. Maybe you didn't remember. This is what this club stands for. And we want you to be part of the team that takes it back to that. And that is a project to believe Right. Yeah, and honestly, that's a fair point. And I feel like I did my best to defend you in those comments because one guy yeah, called thank you, you young. That. Yeah. And I was like, and this hurt my feelings when he called you young because it was really, it was, I think it was meant to be a marginally condescending to you. Yeah. However, it was actually very offensive to me because what he said was, Mina's too young <laughs> to remember this. And that kind of implies that I am old enough to remember that. And I'm like, dude, all this, that was before I was born, man. Like I know, I'm young, cool, cool right? don't get it twisted here. Right. I know there's no hair on my head, but like I said, I shave that every single morning. Right. It's not because I was there and I lived it. Right. I just have, no, what, it, what it means is just, I look youthful, you look mature and we will still be more youthful than people our age in the future. And that is a compliment. So cheers, mate. Boom. Cheers. All right, dude. Let's move on to actually recapping what it is that we're going to be talking about today for the most part, which is what has been going on in Europe, all right? Now, it's been a long time since we've done an episode like this, right? A lot of our episodes as of late have been mostly having to do with um, answering different questions or we've had different themes for different episodes. It's been a long time since we just got back with our roots, which is talking about different hot topics, all right? And the first one that I think we should start at is the Champions League. It's back, right? It's awesome. On Tuesday, Real Madrid beat PS, uh, excuse me, PSG beat Real Madrid and Man City destroyed uh, Sporting. All right. Can we speak about Mbappe leaving it late? Because <laughs> I think that's a good place whoops. to start, right? <laughs> yeah, whoops, a little bit, right? Now, here's the thing when PSG beat Real Madrid, the way that we kind of forecasted this game was that Madrid are marginally better still like right like PSG hadn't really figured it out yet again we previewed this back in December and at the time Madrid were kind of figuring it out pretty well and Benzema was the key to the whole system but everywhere else the the team was doing pretty well and PSG were not figuring it out under any circumstances Mm -hmm. then Carlo Ancelotti decided you know what I really got to contain this offense so I'm just gonna like not attack and I think it ruined the whole system right like it seemed like Real Madrid were playing not as though they wanted to play but just as though they would you know sit back with this low block and because the midfield and the defense were so low trying to contain the threat of the offense Verratti had like the entire pitch to just operate he played everybody off the park meanwhile the Real Madrid offense was nowhere near the ball because there was like a 30-yard gap between the midfielders and the forwards right so it's just a very weird tactic by by Ancelotti to not trust his team that in fairness, Volkov has won the Champions League like four times. Right. And I think that that was his downfall. I think he definitely should have played to their strengths. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you get so much momentum in the league and and everybody's saying that, you know, you're the favorites for the tie yep. just to play like you're the underdog. Like, I understand that, that um, they have a lot of talent in PSG. But then again, when you take it to, to them, we've seen what that can do to them. Exactly. Like they, they always recoil and there are, there are a lot of spaces where that you can 
kind of take advantage of because they do leave a lot of spaces back and they don't track back. And that's what we said. And I, I'd be interested right. to see what they do for the second leg because if they play the same way, we know they're getting knocked out, especially that there are no away goals and they couldn't capitalize on that. No, exactly. And and the other thing is, you know, trying to contain the offense doesn't really seem like the best strategy against PSG, though it might, right? I think it's important for the teams that they come up against to be brave and to say, no, what we have to do Take is suffocate zone. the attack here. It's not let's sit in a low block and hope they can't break us down because that's a very, like, I don't want to say small club mentality, but it's a defensive club mentality. And the elite of the elites, for the most part, I don't think are those Ill, are those defensive clubs, right? Maybe in years past, we've seen it's been, you know, the Mourinho era or the Simeone era, right? Yeah. But like over time, I th- and yes, even last year, I guess Chelsea figured it out, but that was more, I blame Pep more for that, right? I think for the most part, <clears throat> the best teams that we look at in Europe are the teams that go out and execute their will. And Real Madrid saying, I think we got to try to contain them. It, it doesn't seem like the right strategy, right? City, when they beat PSG, it was 2-1, but it was like very convincing in November, right? It was like, no, 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 listen, we, we figured it out. We just got to suffocate them and they're not going to get anywhere near yeah. it. And Madrid have the players to do that, right? I know Verratti's an excellent midfielder, but Real Madrid have like three of the greatest midfielders to ever live. And if the three yeah, of them you, are playing in a system field, and push the entire like, team up, yeah, you have the risk of getting countered. I, I understand that. The thing is, the second leg isn't going to be any easier because Casemiro's going to miss it and Mendy's going to miss it. And when yeah. you have two key members of your squad who are now going to miss the game, what are you going to do? Line up in the low block again? Why? So you can try to spring them on a counter? That didn't work, right? So what are you going to do? You're going to take it to them? Well, now you have two of your best players who are not going to be able to, to contain the threat if you guys are trying to push forward. So... You know, I know there's no away goal rule here, but I think Madrid really shot themselves in the foot here. And honestly, like like you said in the uh, in the comments there, you're like, we're we're 90 minutes closer to saying whoops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what it is, man. No, no, absolutely. And I think I think they just took the wrong approach. And I, mm. I I don't know if they rue it. And hindsight is 2020. Maybe Carlo looked at something and he was like, well, we're going to be able to nullify them. But it, right. you know, only all it takes is one moment of shutting down especially after you save a penalty you're like come on man don't yeah. shut, don't shut off the defense cannot go to sleep and they did and Mbappe was slot at home and you can't give that man half a chance because exactly. he will take it exactly yeah he's just PSG have too many players who can make something out of nothing to to try to limit that it's like no what you have yeah, to do and then is they just get slapped up 3-1 in, in the weekend <laughs> literally meanwhile like, Madrid go out and just convincingly them. win on the weekend right like one team did yeah. their job on the weekend one didn't and it's just I don't know, man. I just hope it, it reminds everybody. At the very least, I want to see, because this is supposed to be the, the highlight fixture, right? This is supposed to be the, the mm. superstars versus the superstars. Yeah. I hope, it, if nothing else, we're able to see Ramos play, right? Because that would mean a lot. The fact that he can't play because he's injured is like, come on, dude. Figure it out. Meanwhile, right. Madrid are like, well, what are we going to do? We don't have a six. Are they going to play Valverde there? I guess. Right? You're going to play Marcelo? Marcelo against Messi in current day? Oh, my God. It's going to be 4-0, <laughs> no, bro. The last time I saw Marcelo play and start, a La Liga game was a couple oh, weeks ago. Terrible. He looked like terrible. he was every bit of 57 years old. He cannot mm. compete at the at the pace anymore. And without Mendy there, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to play David Alaba there and then Nacho in the middle? Like, that doesn't help either, right? Especially yeah. since Casemiro is not going to be able to play either. So, you know. No, it's a rough situation for sure. It's definitely a tough one. And I can't wait to make a TJW bite about that one. TikToks, bro. We're getting huge. Um, what about the other game on Tuesday, which was Man City? Now, can I start with this one because it was City? Absolutely. I would like to start with this one. All right. I made a TikTok about this one too, guys. Check them out. TJW Bites. I, I make them on TikTok at MasterChefNay on all the platforms. Now, I think that this win was a statement win for City. And, you know, somebody commented saying, oh, well, why is it a statement? Because it was just, it's just sporting. It's not like they did it to Real or Bayern or PSG. And I was like, all right, first of all, they did do it to PSG, right? They beat, they handled PSG in November, first of all. Second of all, you can only be as good as the competition you're playing against. And the biggest criticism of City in recent years, and you and I and Joe have all disputed this, which is City rising to the occasion, right? It seems like there are times when City are playing these teams that they should beat, but that they don't. And, you know, I'll defend the squad against, you know, what happens in those moments. But ultimately, what it comes down to is there was nothing wrong with this one. They Mm -hmm. said they did what they were supposed to do. They did what was expected of them. They said, cool, this is the best team in Portugal, and we're going to make them look like nothing. And now people are going to think that sporting are trash. Sporting aren't trash. Sporting beat Dorman, right? Sporting 
which apparently isn't that hard beating Dorman. I mean, Dorman yeah, is but, but I mean, <laughs> they finished second in their group, right? Only second to Ajax, who went six for six, right? Sporting are contending in one of the most competitive leagues in Europe. Again, not competition in terms of European outreach, but in terms of being in a race, Sporting are right there, right? And when you look at the score at halftime and it's 4-0 and you're thinking, cool, there's still 75% more to be played against Man City, right? Because there's a second half and then there's a second leg. Yeah. All City have City are already going through. It's over now, right? So yeah, City are just sending a message by saying, no, we're not going to be stumped by the teams that, you know, might pose us a threat. It's going to take a lot to, to beat us here because otherwise we're just going to smoke everybody. Yeah, you're you already one foot in the quarterfinals. Like that's right. that's pretty much done and, and busted. You can put out a team of under 23s against Sporting in the second leg. I don't think it would will actually do anything. Um, I was actually I didn't watch the game because PSG was versus Real Madrid yeah. was on at the same time. Split UEFA. I know. Yeah. Um, but it, honestly, it went pretty much as as expected, and exactly. that kind of comes to it. And it's it's always the the case that when City lose. Um, it's it's more their fault than it is mm. how good the other team was. But then again, you can't take away anything from the team that beats City, and it's kind Absolutely. of a very weird oxymoron like situation. It's a lose where, lose for City. Like City are not yeah. going to find sympathy, but it is a lose lose because they either no, win yeah, but, and no one gives them credit, or they lose and people are like, "Well, you should have done better." And it's like, listen, well, listen, winners never get credit from anyone. Exactly. Like it's like, well, that's expected, right? Like mm-hmm. Bayern Munich winning every week in the Bundesliga doesn't. It's not impressive. It's right. kind of like, come on, guys, you're that much better than everyone else. Yeah, it's the same with how Real Madrid is in, in La Liga now. So it's always the news when you lose, and that's kind of you know being that's because of how successful those teams have been. Right, and it's the same with Man City. Like that, there's no exception. So it is what it is. You just kind of have to take it on and and hope that it doesn't get messed up again in the next round or or any of the other rounds coming up in the in the Champions League. Yep. Completely fair. Uh, I want to move on because we went so long in our bro talk and our nonsense that we're trying to keep it tighter today. So we have a good rest of the episode here to talk about the other Champions League fixtures and then some really epic games in the Premier League this weekend, which we have lots of thoughts about. Uh, But on Wednesday, Liverpool played Inter. All right. And you and I, you'll remember in December, we discussed like, was this going to be the most competitive of all of them? Right. Because there are some of them that seemed they were pretty evenly matched. I said maybe Ajax-Benfica, but since then, Ajax have risen to another level and Benfica have dropped off. So I don't think it'll be Ajax-Benfica anymore. But we thought it was going to be this one, right? And what Liverpool showed was that the most intense team in Italy and arguably the most intense team in in England, like probably pretty close, right? Liverpool are pretty intense with the way they play, are on completely different stratospheres. They're not even close. It'll... Inter, who normally have and Barella didn't play, so don't like I know that their most powerful, like energizer player wasn't there, and even Brozovic was doing his best. But Inter were not able to handle the level of intensity that Liverpool were playing with. All right. And it's not a criticism on Inter because Inter had good spells in the game. But overall, and I have my notes here, I'll pull it up when when I throw to you here, just so I can uh, refresh my memory of what happened in it. But what I remember most of it was the intensity that Liverpool brought and the fact that Inter lined up in a back three. And when you combine those things and Inter did pretty well for the most part to handle it, but bro, the age old expression, how many times have we said yes, bro, when you're playing against Liverpool, don't use a back three. You cannot use a back three and playing against Liverpool because you're never going to win ever. Anyway, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I've said it so many times. Yeah. It just goes to show how much, quality makes a difference and i think that liverpool is that much better than inter and it, it yeah. to me that is the real statement win it's like don't chat to us the guys like we are so much better than everybody thinks yeah and yes inter is great and whatever you can throw anything at us and it's kind of like the way man city is going about it right now throw whoever you want at us and we'll right. beat them liverpool have famously beat other like other big teams in italy like when napoli was posing a threat and and now inter is no different Yep. And here's the thing. I just pulled up my notes from that game because um, I was making, obviously, whenever I watch the games, I, I make notes and stuff. Um, Inter worked really, really hard. And that's the thing to yeah. cope with the intensity that Liverpool were bringing. And you could just see it on the pitch because they were like really, really trying to, to figure it out. And to be fair, the second half looked a lot better. 
right? Like, especially early on in the second half, I know they ultimately conceded in the second half and that's when they lost. And there's a reason for that. But Van Dyke was a monster, all right, throughout the whole game. And anything mm-hmm. that Inter tried to do, he was just like, nope, no thanks. Sweeping it up. Not going to happen. Dealt with it. Um, but Inter looked better and Klopp was livid, right? When, when Inter started turning it on in the early parts of the second half. But then ultimately, Liverpool did what most winners do. And I don't like complimenting Liverpool, but at the very least, they made the right moves. They put on subs that changed the game and then they won, right? They took the chances and Inter didn't. And Inter had chances. Don't get me wrong. I know that I'm saying here that Liverpool outplayed them and they did, but Inter had chances that they could have nabbed goals and they didn't. And the reason is that Liverpool took theirs and Inter did not. And ultimately, that's the annoying thing. It didn't really look difficult for Liverpool. It didn't look like it was a that difficult of a game. Yeah, and I'd be I'm I'm interested to see how the second leg goes because was this one at Anfield? No, it was, it was in Italy. San Siro? Yeah. Okay. San Siro. So yeah, yeah, I, like there's no hope. Very, very little. <laughs> that, and the thing that, is that's it. And the away goals, I mean, don't matter anymore. And this is like and we can talk about yeah. Bayern, but listen, like I don't I didn't watch the Bayern game because I was focused on the on the Liverpool game here. Ultimately, I saw what happened in the Bayern game and it was just I have one question, which is, are you concerned that Bayern are going to go through? Because ultimately, Salzburg did pretty well to handle them, right? Mm-hmm. Until the end when, when Bayern grabbed a late goal and then they, they leveled it. Which begs the question, do you think Bayern can handle like what's going to happen in the second leg? And I think the answer is yes, right? Yeah. I think ultimately, even with the performance on the pitch, not every game is going to be a smash for Bayern. And to be fair, they're not in great form right now. But ultimately, I don't think there's any real cause for concern because Bayern are the inevitable machine that tend to get the job done. Yeah, and they just tenderize you until you give in. So it's like one-one right. is a lot of hope. If it was a an, an away goal advantage, maybe there's something to talk about. But I, I just think that quality will rise to the top, and hopefully, I I don't, I don't know. Like you, you can never count out an underdog story because of Leipzig reaching the semifinals or Spurs reaching the finals for even, yeah. but. Then again, Bayern's Bayern, and you kind of have to put your money on that if if you're a betting man. So yeah. I wouldn't risk betting on the other team. Now, I wanted to talk to you about the away goal rule, all right? Because I don't think we've addressed this on the show. I actually forgot that it was a thing. But it's gone. The away goal rule has yeah. been abolished. What do you think about that? I don't like it. I, I, like, yeah. I like seeing the underdog story, and I understand... It's kind of confusing. And if you want to get more people into the sport, it's really confusing to understand how someone can lose, draw, and win a tie at the same time. Because it's happened so many times. So if you're trying to appeal to a bigger audience, I get it. But to me, it's just like, there are already so many complicated rules in football. What's What's just adding another one? Like, just make that the cherry on top. And I think removing that removes a lot of the Cinderella story potential. I think it's still possible. I just think it's some of the Champions League wins that we've seen wouldn't happen without it. And that's kind of what's sad about it for me. It's true. And I I understand that point. I don't know if I've fully made up my mind about how I feel about it because I I see both sides to it. You know, I I saw some people that were, I think, just mistaken they were like no by getting rid of this now it takes away the incentive to go out and score i was like no no no. it does the opposite now no, it, it, it incentivizes opposite, yeah. everybody to go out and score because now they don't have to worry about oh i now have to score two at home for it to be worth it. it's like no no no. now you can you're just focusing on the score line and the team with the most goals at the end of it is who's going to go through right mm-hmm. and, and that's all that matters and to be honest that's what should matter like for the integrity of the of the sport because otherwise and i appreciate the underdog story like anybody else don't get me wrong i'm not here to criticize the underdog story. I liked seeing Ajax go all the way. But when I saw Spurs beat City because they lost and they lost by cheating, it disgusts me still to this day. And so because of stuff like that, I can't, I can't be hypocritical about it because of things like that (laughs) have happened. I am here for it. I'm glad that now the better team will go through ultimately throughout both legs, because that is what the integrity of the sport is about, which is who is the better team here, not who got lucky or who nabbed one and who lost, but still drew, but still went through. Because that stuff, but it that's football. That's I know. football. Like arguably be. that that Real Madrid PSG game should have ended nil nil. It absolutely should have. But should've. then the excitement you get from a last minute winner, right, is amazing. And and yeah. that's what happens with the away goal advantage. Like Barcelona PSG, the six one wouldn't have mattered because 
or, or a, right. would, would it have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it no, wouldn't no. have it mattered because, be yeah. be, exactly. So it needed to be 6-1 for them to go through. If it's 5-1, you absolutely obliterate the team, but you still don't go through. So it's just, I just think that it's, it's kind of ridiculous to remove it. I understand. Like right. I said, I understand right. the narrative right. perspective, but I, for the integrity of the game, it makes sense because it now incentivizes everybody to come out and play because the alternative to the 6-1 argument is that PSG going away are just thinking, I just got to not concede. I just got to not concede. I just got to not concede. But and they then they scored. did. So they did. I know they, they, they went, well, they got so they one, didn't. right? They end out and, and got one. But for the most part, the way that they played was like, don't, don't concede, don't concede, don't concede. Now it's like, I have to right. go win. I have to go win because I'm not but safe. It's kind, of, it's kind of clipping your wings because we know that there's a big money differential in football and to be able to play your style more often than not, if you have more money, you'll be better off because you get to cherry pick the entire market and mm. you get to build the team that you want. Now, teams have done that successfully. Teams have struggled with that, but it definitely helps you to build a quality team that helps you play the way you want to play. And for me, football is about the different styles and how they are matched up because then you get to see a Burnley go up, go up against Man City right. and try to play their way, even if they're going to get smacked up 5 mil every single game. Yeah. But teams have done it before where, you know, you smash and grab and you and you defend and you end up winning. So to me, it's just more about, it's kind of like clipping your wings in chess if you're playing defensive or offensive chess. And, and it's like, well, now you you have to use whatever the, the knight or uh, tells you how much I know about chess. But it's like, <laughs> we'll remove these two things, but but <laughs> making you attack and using the horse. But or uh, So it's like, what do you want me to do, guys? Like, yeah, I have to play. I have to play with my strengths, and now you're just clipping my wings. You're like, I have to go attack because I. But then I know I will absolutely get demolished. So right. it's, it's understandable yeah. why it's more exciting. I just didn't like it. I think it's, to me, do, it's not what's wrong with the sport. Fair. I think what we should do is have a proper debate about this on mm. the next time we do like five pressing questions. Because I really like those style episodes too. And I like it, like, yeah. We can dedicate a proper amount of time to say, okay, here's all the arguments on one side and both. And the other, which side are you taking and why? Um, because ultimately, yeah, I, like I haven't, I haven't, like, I don't want this to be the time for that right now because I still want to recap the other games before we wrap and we're almost at the end here. Because what I want to talk about now is the pretty historic games in the Premier League this weekend. Mm-hmm. There were some really, really good games. It felt like classic Barclays Premier League game. Yeah, it did. It, it really did. And the weather helped a lot with that. <laughs> yeah, big time. Now, I'm obviously very, very upset at the result between mm. City and Spurs on Saturday. I'm disgusted. All right. I'm I'm outraged. I'm livid. There aren't enough bad adjectives to describe how I feel about the, about this game. All right. And you guys know I put a lot of them in the chat. And so if I clean up the dialogue a little bit to present it as a more (laughs) professional argument, I don't like this narrative that Spurs are cities like bogey team, right? I don't like that. It's like, Oh, they just have their number because it seems like that's the case, but it makes me mad at why that's the case. All right. And why that's the case is it doesn't matter who Spurs' manager is. Yeah. It doesn't matter who Spurs' manager is. It doesn't matter. Like VAR has net will always favor them in every single one of the fixtures and city will decide to, change something up marginally that has been working very very well for the sake of yeah but let's let's see if this works and it's like no this is not the time for it right now okay now i don't want to be overly critical of the city players because i think they did their best right i don't want to give too much thought to the narrative about oh kane showing city what they're missing yeah we know that guys like i said like i've been saying like city tried to do with last summer when they tried to get him and levy said no it's not that City said, eh, you know what, we don't need him. And then they passed on him. It's that Daniel Levy said, no, we're not selling him for any cost. And City went, okay. What pisses me off, and a few things piss me off in this game. First and foremost, first and foremost, Bernardo yeah. Silva is the best mm-hmm. player in the Premier League this year. All right. He plays in midfield. Every game he plays in midfield, every game he's the best player on the pitch. Every game Man City win. Bernardo Silva doesn't play in midfield this game. Man City lose. Bernardo Silva plays on the wing. Why? Why? We know the best version of the team has Bernardo Silva playing in midfield, has Riyad Mahrez starting on the right, and then and Phil Foden on the left and Raheem Sterling is still kind of figuring it out. I actually don't mind Raheem Sterling playing off the right, but Mahrez has been one of City's best players this season off the right. So Sterling right. every once in a while will play off the left, and you know how I feel 
about him playing off the left. Okay. He plays off the left and every now and then he'll have a really good game. That was last week. And then what happened last week is he earned himself the credibility to play left wing again, where now, where then he became useless again. And I don't want to be overly critical of Raheem Sterling because it's not his fault. Okay. When Bernardo right. dropped into midfield at parts of the game, they, he was better. He was better than everybody else. All right. When he, when City sometimes line up in possession, it's kind of like a 4-2-3-1. And Bernardo Silva's like playing as the false nine and pressing the highest. That's when City are at their best. Because Bernardo Silva's playing literally box to box. He's playing complete opposite ends of the pitch. The fact that City are holding a really high line and Ruben Diaz picked today of all games to, to oh, just yeah. get, right and hold a really high line against Sun, who every time we know what happens. Every time. It's just kick the ball to Sun, he's going to go out and score or at the very least set something up on the other end. There's a lot of things that I can talk about in this game that made me mad, including the fact that... Everything went wrong. That, what's his name? Who, who should have been sent off? Somebody should have been sent off for the penalty that... I think it was Romero who conceded the penalty to City. Yeah. He's already on a yellow. He conceded a penalty from, from handballing it in the but box. It's not now, this is a yellow card offense. But for some reason, against Spurs with the VAR era, it's actually not a yellow card. Now, why is it not a yellow card? I have no idea. Because, because it's funny. a yellow card in the box, when you handball the when you handball it in the box, it's a yellow card. Now this is his second yellow. He should be sent off on top of the penalty. Riyad Myers took an unbelievable penalty. I'm glad for it. And then City go out and lose in the very last minute of the game because they just what? Bad, off? Bad, man. Because yeah. no one sees that Harry Kane, the only player who's gonna drift into the space, is actually drifting into the space. There's a lot of things, dude. I can't even quite yeah, play you can't switch off like that. But the fact of the matter is. If the, and people are now, oh, the title race is back on. No, it isn't. This is what makes no, me fine. even more mad. Okay? It's not. As much as I hate losing to Spurs, if the caveat for City winning the league every year is that they have to lose to Spurs, I can bite my teeth and move on. Because I'll be like, all right, fine. I don't <laughs> like it. But ultimately, this is, this is what Tottenham are going to add to the trophy cabinet. Right? It's, hey, remember when we beat City? That's what that goes in their trophy for us. It's yeah, EPL title number six, seven, eight, nine, ten, a million Champions League, whatever. Add all the trophies that you possibly can because they're the best side in Europe. And Tottenham are going to beat us. Okay. Okay. That's fine. You always take that. Whatever. Whatever, bro. Yeah. That's how I feel. It's how do you feel? I just guess for a neutral, it was a very entertaining game. And that's all I'll say. But I think you said everything else there is to say. I hate Tottenham, bro. And every time we play them, I bring back up that petition. You know, I started a petition like four or yeah. five years ago to disband <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur. And it has quite a few signatures. I don't know how many signatures it has, but I actually made a, a, a petition to disband Tottenham. Now, what's the intention with this? I don't know. It, Will it ever happen? I don't know. Probably not. But we have the support of a few who just hate Tottenham. And I, I remember writing it and thinking, and just writing the title, are you like me? Do you hate Tottenham? Do you wish they didn't exist? Sign here. Like, it's just like the most, it's basically how we do the <laughs> want you soccer pitches. That's going to be the one for next week. It's going to be, let's, let's sign the petition to get rid of Tottenham. We together can defeat the evil oh my God. Spurs. Ugh. We start by taking their shirts off retail websites. Yeah, exactly. Don't get that at ElmontYouthSoccer.com. No one actually likes Tottenham. No, nobody. Just the worst. Anyway, dude, we're almost out of time here, but I want to get your thoughts on uh, on United versus Leeds because that was a hell of a game. Yeah, speaking about conceding when you're most vulnerable. Yes. Uh, which is when you just score. <laughs> yeah. Bro, it, was, it was very. It was actually quite an entertaining game. And you know what I loved the most about it? The fact that you won? Well, that too. But the <laughs> fact that we got to crush Leeds' hopes twice. Mm. And it's like 2-0, oh, right before halftime. Everybody's like so upset that United are just going <laughs> to steamroll them again. And then, oh, my God, it's 2-2. And then, boom, oh, my God, we <laughs> lost to that. It steamrolled us again. It's the false hope. After 18 years of waiting to play against them at Ellen Road, we just concede four. And <laughs> it's, to me, that that's the best part about it, is just the false hope that they got. And honestly, I was more optimistic of us scoring against them after conceding 2-2 than I will be for any like any other game in the Premier League or in the Champions League because I know Leeds leave you and leave themselves open. Right. Like any, if this was Leicester, for example, Leicester would have won the game. Right. And probably wouldn't even have like drawn. Yeah. Other teams would have drawn. Wolves would have sat back. That does not exist in Bielsa's vocabulary. 
they continue to play like a basketball team and I know that there are <laughs> going to be chances and that's exactly what happened. So I was, I was kind of like, by the way, that was a cross. Can we just agree on that? Yeah, that bro. Definitely it was a cross. definitely a cross. Like, it was that one of the greatest goal, goals goal. you'll ever see, but it was Absolutely. definitely a cross. Like that's a so great buddy. Take nothing away from that, but it's a cross. Like you have to, you have to actually like. For anyone who didn't be see honest it, with yourself, Rodrigo coming down the left side decides to whip in a disgusting cross to the back post, and it goes straight into the top corner. And you're just like, tips. "Oh my god, what a hit!" And then they go and score literally one minute later, and you're yeah. like, "Yo, what is going on here?" United are terrible defending. Yeah, terrible like what defending. is happening? And then ultimately. It just ends up is exactly it. It's it's Leeds are playing like a basketball team who are just like, all right, everybody up, everybody back, everybody up, everybody back. And without like Calvin Phillips has been a huge miss this season for Leeds because they yeah. always concede a lot, but at least he held some amount of stuff together in the middle. And he's been away for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's caused them a lot of problems. And ultimately, where we're at now is that it seems like Leeds will die by the Bielsa system. They'll die by murder ball. Because if they get relegated, which Probably unlikely. Probably unlikely, right? We don't think that they're actually going to get relegated. Yeah. But if they do, it will literally be that murder ball murdered them. <laughs> and that's it, bro. That's funny. No, honestly, and it's the same. It's kind of like how Pep will die by his system. It's like, we will yeah. only win this way. And it's caused them some trouble, albeit at, at a much higher level. Yeah. is competing with himself. Like, it, for, the, <laughs> for the whole game... It's just everybody will go up, everybody will go back. And and these guys are dying. Like Luke Aylin yeah, cannot so tired. hold in together anymore. <laughs> but it was nice. It was very physical. It was a very physical yeah. game. The wind was outrageous. The, mm-hmm. the rain was outrageous. And the goals were very entertaining on both ends. So oh. classic Barclays. Classic Barclays Premier League weekend. Anyway, guys, that's got to wrap up the show. I feel like it flew by, but we have been doing this for like an mm-hmm. hour plus now, which means... We're ready to to put a thumb to put a, a pin in this one. That's gonna do it for today's episode of the Jersey Wall Podcast. We thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. We love you and we really, really appreciate it. Despite our addressing the comments off the top of the show, that should not Keep be the going, narrative. Guys. No, but going. that should not be the narrative. Okay. A lot of yeah. the it's not that the comments are mostly negative. All right. So we had to address those ones because that's new for a YouTube video to have comments like that. So <laughs> we encourage you to to oh, please somebody have a go at Joe. That would just be it would be so fun if somebody it's such just an easy decided target to, as well. it's such an easy target if somebody just roasted Joe. Please, somebody go roast Joe. Um, guys, we love you. We thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. If you want to see more from me, follow me on Instagram at the Nathan Santos and everywhere else at MasterChef Nay. That includes on YouTube where you can find special uh, bonus clips of the podcast or trim down versions, anything you want. Hell, Join the comments. Start criticizing us. We don't care. We love it. Yeah, bro. Uh, yeah. Or on TikTok at MasterChefNay, where you can find TJW Bites, which are shorter forms of Jersey Wall Podcast. And if you want to follow the Jersey Wall Podcast on Instagram, it's over at TJW Podcast. Brethren, where can we see more from you? Instagram at MinoDalkali98. And Twitter, I'll follow you back if you can find me. And that's pretty much it. Boom. That's going to wrap it. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. We look forward to bringing you more Jersey Wall content each and every week. And we appreciate your unwavering, undying, beloved support. Guys, we love you. Take care. And we'll see you next week right here on the Jersey Wall Podcast, baby. Woo!